This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. big battle is brewing in America over the future of abortion rights after it was revealed that the Supreme Court is on the cusp of overturning a judgment that legalised terminations across the country. In this shortcut, we're going to take a look at the Roe versus Wade judgment, efforts over the years to overturn it, and what will happen if that takes place now. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Eliza Harvey. Eliza, reproductive rights in America have been a political minefield for a very long time. But if we focus in on the last 50 years, it's underscored by a big legal judgment called Roe versus Wade. And if we're looking at abortion rights in America, we best start there. Yeah, so let's go back to 1969. Norma McCorvey was a Texas mother of two who'd fallen pregnant with her third child. She wanted an abortion, but at the time, the state's laws allowed for abortion only in cases of rape and incest or to save a mother's life. And given that that wasn't the case for McCorvey, she attempted to have what amounted to an illegal abortion, but soon discovered that authorities had shut down the facility. She then went to a local lawyer for advice about what to do next and started the process of making arrangements for the child she was about to have to then be adopted. That lawyer then put her in touch with two recent female graduates of the local law school. Yeah, and that's how this legal challenge came to be. They brought a lawsuit on behalf of McCorvey, who went by the pseudonym Jane Rowe throughout the case to protect her identity. They claimed that the state's law violated Rowe's constitutional rights to a safe medical environment in her home state. And before we go on, Eliza, we should note that this case didn't exactly come out of nowhere. The 1960s in America was a time of big societal change. Yeah, that's right. So at the time, abortion was broadly legal in just four states of America, but the anti-war and civil rights movements that were raging at the time inspired the women's liberation movement to really gain some steam. And with that came greater pressure from the feminist movement to challenge abortion restrictions. If we go back to Roe versus Wade now, the Texas court agreed that the law violated Roe, aka McCorvey's, right to privacy, which is found in the Ninth Amendment, and thus making it unconstitutional. The Texas District Attorney Henry Wade then appealed to the Supreme Court to overturn the decision, and that's how we get the name Roe versus Wade. And the case was first heard in 1970. Texas was represented by Jay Floyd, who opened his argument by referencing the two women representing the Roe case by saying, it's an old joke, but when a man argues against two beautiful ladies like this, they're going to have the last word. Mm. Uh, Commentators called it the worst joke in legal history. 
Yeah, definitely uh, speaks to an entirely different era there, Eliza. Mm. The Texas legal team finished arguing their case in a day, but a bunch of legal precedents and other cases meant that three years actually passed before the Supreme Court came back with its decision in January 1973. It found seven to two in favour of the initial judgment that Texas had violated Roe's constitutional right to privacy. Unpack that for us. So the court said that the Constitution protects an individual's zone of privacy and that zone was broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. The court said that during the first trimester of pregnancy, the abortion decision was left to the woman and her doctor. Of course, by the time the decision was made, McCorvey had given birth and she'd put the child up for adoption. But ever since the Roe v. Wade decision was issued, it's remained one of the most contentious in the US and there have been ongoing political campaigns and debates around ethics and religion. There's also been a big pushback against the judgment, so we're going to get into that next. In the decades since then, there have been many legal and political attempts from the pro-life movement to chip away at Roe v. Wade. The pro-life movement broadly believes in a fetus's right to life, that life begins at the moment of conception. Eliza, we should note that part of the reason that there are attempts to overturn the decision is because Congress never actually turned this legal precedent into law. That's right. And that made reproductive rights particularly vulnerable to being undermined by new legal judgments that interpret the law differently. So what the case did was establish a constitutional right to an abortion and that right trumped states' laws. But it did allow states to impose certain regulations during the second trimester to protect both mother and baby's life which is what many states ended up doing. If we fast forward then to 1982, the state of Pennsylvania passed the most stringent abortion restrictions in the nation. It also imposed a 24-hour waiting period on women who wanted a termination and required married women to tell their husbands if they were planning an abortion. It wasn't the first state to bring in these laws, but it's significant because it survived a court challenge. And it's also worth noting, Larissa, here that in the 1980s, there was the rise of the religious right in the Republican Party with the election of President Ronald Reagan, who supported a constitutional amendment to ban abortion but that never came to pass. Pennsylvania's laws were back in the headlines in 1992 through a case called Planned Parenthood v Casey. That challenge happened in the Supreme Court and while the judgment upheld the Roe v Wade case, some changes were made. Yeah, so it allowed states to pass more abortion restrictions as long as they didn't pose a, quote, undue burden. But what it did in practice was usher in a whole new raft of anti-abortion restrictions. It was all a test of the constitutional limits of the court's Planned Parenthood versus Casey ruling. So many rulings in this shortcut, Larissa. Uh, But this had an effect on politics too, with Democratic President Bill Clinton saying abortion should be safe, legal and rare. Now, commentators say that phrase was later seen as a symbol of the Democratic Party's acceptance of the idea that abortion was somehow shameful. Anti-abortion forces started to adopt more extreme tactics around this time, Eliza. There was a doctor who performed abortion procedures who was actually assassinated. 
His name was Dr. David Gunn, and he was shot dead outside an abortion clinic in Florida. That was around the time there were big blockades around other clinics trying to stop and shame the women who were entering. Eleven people have been murdered as a result of attacks on abortion providers since 1977, as well as scores of bombs and violence. Big scientific advances were being made over this period. And then in the year 2000, the Federal Drug Administration approved the drug Mifepristone, the first pill available to end a pregnancy early in gestation. And the drug proved extremely safe and effective. By 2017, Mifepristone accounted for 39% of all terminations in America. This brings us up to 2016 when Donald Trump was elected president. He said people who had abortions should be punished and he promised to appoint Supreme Court justices to automatically overturn Roe v. Wade. So Trump was carried to victory with strong support from the religious right in 2016. He stuck to his word. He appointed three justices to the court during his term in office. They were Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. And this gave conservatives a 6-3 supermajority and laid the groundwork for the Supreme Court to revisit its position on the all-important Roe v. Wade judgment. And that's exactly what's been happening recently with a leaked draft of a majority Supreme Court opinion that the judgment should be overturned. We're going to get into that next. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Eliza, Justice Stephen Alito had circulated his draft opinion to the other justices on the Supreme Court to be discussed before a final decision on a review of Roe v. Wade was made. And it's that document that was leaked to the American news outlet Politico. It absolutely exploded into the news cycle the night it was published. Mm. Media companies around the world ran the news that the court was on the cusp of overturning this legal judgment and the pro and anti-abortion groups descended on the Supreme Court in Washington. Uh, The court went into damage control. It confirmed that the document was authentic but said the decision wasn't final. Chief Justice John Roberts was furious that it had been leaked and he later said that if the person or the people behind it think think it'll affect the work of the court, they're foolish. Let's get into what it actually said, Eliza. Justice Alito disagreed with the original decision made by the court in 1973. He said the Roe v. Wade judgment is egregiously wrong, that's the quote from the start, and that a majority of the court had signalled their intention to overturn it when the final decision is published by July. 
Yeah, and the reason the court was looking at it in the first place is because of a challenge by Mississippi's only abortion clinic to a 2018 state law that banned abortions after 15 weeks. The clinic argues the state law violates Roe v. Wade and later decisions upholding it, while the respondents argue Roe should be reversed. Now, the Supreme Court's role is to interpret the Constitution, and in the draft judgment, Alito makes it clear that he doesn't believe the Constitution makes judgments relevant to abortion and that the power to make those judgments should be returned to the states. Chief Justice John Roberts has stressed that draft opinions are just that and that things could change before it is published in July. But Eliza, run us through what would happen if the draft ruling becomes final. The consequences would be immediate. 23 states have laws that would restrict abortion if Roe was struck down. Some states like North Dakota and Mississippi have what's known as trigger laws, whereby a Supreme Court ruling would be the trigger that trips the activation of laws to ban abortion in those states. And researchers found that black and Hispanic women would be particularly affected by restrictions or bans because they get abortion at rates higher than their white peers due to more limited access to health care and birth control. US President Joe Biden has also weighed in. He said that overturning Roe would be a radical move that could threaten all citizens and Americans' right to privacy. Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren was another one to rip into the draft opinion. Oh, she was absolutely furious, Larissa. She told a rally that she was angry because an extremist Supreme Court, that's her words, thinks that they can impose their views on all women of America and they are wrong. Now, Warren and other progressive lawmakers use the document to renew their calls for Congress to pass abortion protection legislation. But it's worth noting that in February this year, the US Senate voted down a bill 46 to 48 that would have granted a federal right to abortion. In the wider context of American politics, the discussion of abortion rights could have a big impact on the upcoming midterms in America. They're the round of general elections that are held midway through a president's four-year term and determine which party controls the chambers of Congress. Joe Biden had been polling poorly, but this might just change the equation, Eliza. Well, commentators think so at least. They reckon this issue will energise Democratic voters who are stunned about the regression of abortion rights, particularly when polls have consistently shown that a majority of Americans opposed overturning Roe. Uh, Candidates sought to raise money off the news and in states that are poised to ban it, politicians and governors declared that they were ready to act. Now, if the Democrats keep control of the House of Representatives and win control of the Senate, it would open the door to actioning Biden's agenda. One thing's for sure, we can expect to hear a lot more about the midterms and the Supreme Court's pending final judgment on Roe v. Wade over the next couple of months. And that's your shortcut to the future of abortion rights in America. Now on to our recommendations. Each week we give a recommendation on something to read or watch that can help give you a bit more context. My recommendation is the original article from Politico about the leak. It unpacks Alito's draft opinion. As we said, the final decision is likely to be published in around two months or so. There's lots to read. It's a huge contentious issue, but this is a good starting point. Yeah, I actually got a lot from reading that. That really kind of cleared up some of the grey areas that are around this whole judgment. Uh, I've linked to an article 
article in The Atlantic called The Roe Baby, where we hear from Norma McCorvey's baby, who's now a grown woman. It's a really incredible read. You can find those links in your episode notes. You can always also find Squiz Shortcuts on our website at thesquiz.com.au. There's a full written article there as well as the links that we mention. Thanks for listening in. If you like what you've heard, please do tell people about Squiz Shortcuts. And if you have any requests about anything you would like unpacked, send it through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. That's all for now. Until next time. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.